If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode four or five, six of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka the pod god, the legend, the scoring god. Joined today by the, uh, I, I was, I, I, <laughs> I was going to say the, the organ clap of uh, Irish MMA media, but I've, I feel like I've, I've hit that nerve one too many times. Well, we'll say the organ clap of Irish MMA media. Why well, do you still have him, Graham? Graham? Graham McDonald, how are you? Are you, are you good? We're on video, Graham. We're on video. Yeah, on video, yeah. You know, you finally talked me around uh, after, I don't know, how many attempts, several, we'll say, attempts over the years to... Uh, several, many. To do it. So hopefully... Uh, Hopefully we keep it up. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably not. We're going. We're going to do it for this be- the next three pay per views, and we'll see how it goes. in after that, uh, but uh, we'll have the the same format, same everything. And uh, if you're listening, just uh, continue to listen, or if you want to move over and uh, try try the video on on YouTube, it's going to be free for the next uh, for the next three pay per views, and we'll see where we go after that. Anyway, but the first pay per view we're going to talk about, Graham, to start off today, UFC two ninety eight. Uh, topped by Leah Taporia versus Alexander Volkanovsky, but also featuring uh, Ireland's own Ian Gary uh, in the third fight from the top, and obviously a massive fight uh, in in his career. Um, overall, like it was, it was a, a pay per view t- in my opinion that looked very good on paper. Um, I wouldn't say that it was bad. I wouldn't say that it was great. It was good. I would say, and I'll, I'll take that any day of the week from the cards we usually have at the moment in mixed martial arts in the UFC, especially. I'll take a good card with good fights, well match made any day of the week. Uh, it was one that you're you're uh, stayed up till. Oh God, what time was it last night? Half, half six or whatever it was, yeah. and uh, it was it was worth watching. It was worth stayed up for. So it was a, oh it was definitely, a definitely. You know when the stakes are so high and there's so much jeopardy and there's like you know as we talked about in the podcast last week there's a main event where it's kind of a crossroads fight a legacy fight for Volkanovski and a kind of coming of age fight for Taporia and all that stuff and you know uh, obviously um, for us there's a bit of a more buy-in to the Ian Gary thing because we've been following him and he's Irish and stuff like that but even the you know the fourth uh, main fight of the fourth uh, last fight of the night Marab and Henry has a lot on the line as well even you know going down the card there's a few important fights so sometimes you know Maybe you thought it might be more exciting on paper, but when the jeopardy is there and the importance and the the big fight feel and you know all of that stuff uh, is there, you know even these fights that maybe aren't as exciting or aren't as uh, brilliant as as other fights, they have much more meaning to them and they're they're on an edge. And you know, for me, I love those kind of fights. I love, uh, I like even you know I know there was some booze at certain stages uh, during the event, but for me, you know, I really enjoyed. Most, if not all, of the the card, hundred percent. Like uh, we talk about Je- Jeopardy all the time. It's obviously a word that's become synonymous with yourself now, Graham. Over the last while, but like 
Amanda Lemos fight like she could very well be putting herself back in line to get back towards the title shot with that one like Fluffy Hernandez has probably gone from a guy who's borderline top 15 to going towards the top 10 now. Like, Marab put himself probably in line for a title shot. Ian Gary probably put himself within one fight of a title shot. You could say the same maybe for Robert Whitaker, and obviously it was a championship fight at the very top. So, you it know. It was also Rob Whitaker. Has he still got it, you know, as yeah. well? Like, you know, has he and fallen Henry. off a cliff? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Very true. Yeah. So there was, a, there was a lot of a lot of jeopardy, and we found out a lot of stuff last night. And the, the biggest thing, I suppose, we found out was that Aliyah Tapuria is the elite of the elite, the best of the best, uh, because he beat, you know, the best of the best, the pound for pound. I don't think anyone would have him lowered in the pound for pound number three over the last four or five years, uh, based on what he's done, Alexander Volkanovsky. And he did it in uh, an extremely uh, forceful undeniable sort of way I, I had someone I, I, I tweeted after the event and I said Vulcan or um, Taporia just too much speed and too much power and someone replied to me and said um, what are you talking about Volkanovsky was winning the fight and what he said was true like Volkanovsky was winning the fight like there was there was no doubt about that but it also it, it, that almost well, made it I, I, I think there was a little bit of doubt about well, that but I thought, yeah I thought he won the first round uh, yeah, yeah but, it was, it was, you know, it was think, relatively close like but to me yeah. the, the fact that it was relatively close the fact that you know most people I'd say would say Vulcan obviously was winning or you know was, was a header uh, around in that fight it made Tapuria's win better because we're not looking at someone. And this, look, it will happen. I spoke to Luke Thomas about this last week and predicted it, that if Tapuria would win, everyone would say Volkanovski was finished, he was over the hill and everything like that. And look, he's 35 years of age. But like, this happened with Aldo when he fought McGregor. This happened with Anderson Silva, Weidman. Now that was a little bit different. He broke the leg and everything like that. When John Jones loses, this will happen. Unless you're Habib and you sail off into the sunset, this is, this is going to happen to absolutely everyone. But Volkanovski showed in that fight that he was well able to still fight with a guy as fast technically good and powerful as Aliyah Tapuria he showed that in that fight and Tapuria still won that's how good Tapuria is that that's you know, he shows that's, his probably, that's probably not how the, the whole kind of fight situation will be remembered. It'll probably be remembered as, you know, all this old man talk, Volk acting, you know, dressed up as an old man and then going in there and kind of getting finished. So, you know, even though he kind of laughed it off and played it up and made a joke of it all and went in there and was looking good, was making adjustments, was was looking to kind of, you know, frustrate and seemed to be doing a pretty good job until, you know, Elita Puria got, got the the moment he was waiting for and then took it with both hands and, you know, put Volkanovski out. So, yeah, it's it's probably, you know, not going to be remembered. It's probably going to be remembered as a devastating finish to his title reign, but and it was, but, you know, he definitely showed that he still belongs at the very top level, as you were kind of hinting at there. Yeah, let's question that for a second, because I said it very blasé there. I said it all, Volkanovski, you know, looked as good as he... Do, do you think he looked as good as he ever did? Was there any signs of slowing or... I, I think... Uh, considering coming back off of like a bad KO kind of the first of your career he looked like you know we've seen guys come back and look very kind of cagey and tentative and nervous and things like that he, I don't think he looked like that I think he he felt his way into the fight like he kind of uh, like he usually does especially against somebody who has like the abilities that Deporia has and the, the, the kind of meta the victories that Deporia ended up getting so yeah I think maybe you know it's kind of a tricky situation with the age because, you know, maybe nine months, 10 months off or maybe even a little longer after, you know, uh, near back-to-back KOs or two recent KOs in a row would be ideal. But 
you know, there's all this talk of being old now. If you wait that long, he's talked like, as you said, about, you know, not knowing what to do with himself when he doesn't have a fight lined up. So it's a tricky situation. But, you know, uh, it was a vicious shot he got hit with. But maybe he could have, if he hadn't have taken that damage uh, recently in the in the Makachev fight, maybe he would have been able to, you know, take that shot a little bit better and manage to survive or, you know, taken absolutely nothing away from Deporia. You know, he probably would have finished him. You know, he was on the case quickly, landing, landing follow-up shots. But, you know, you could say maybe that on another day before the punishment he took uh, up at 155, maybe Alex would have been able to weather a storm there and come back. But we'll, we'll never know. But, yeah, it's a tricky one just because of the age and because everything moves so fast to try and take nine or ten months off and probably piss off the UFC as well. Um, but, yeah, I think not jumping back into it is definitely definitely what he should do. But, yeah, I think he showed in this fight, you know, I think we all knew how dangerous Eddie Tapuria was. We were kind of talking, is it too early? Maybe, you know, uh, if they waited another year or two, he would nearly de- he'd have a much better chance of winning, you know, and that would be the kind of safe route to go. But, you know, he's he's becoming a, you know, a big star in Spain. He's got these, like, famous footballers and all this stuff, uh, tweeting about him and, like, you know, talking about him, going into the gym to meet him, all this stuff. So, you know, it's a it's a, it's a huge win for him. I don't want to take anything away saying about uh, Volkanovski's chin, but I did wonder uh, after the way he kind of, re- Volkanovski reacted to the, the initial kind of uh, finishing uh, blow that, you know, maybe he would have taken that a little bit better, but you know, yeah. so it's really hard to know. It is. Here's my thoughts on it. My thoughts are, are kind of twofold on it. I look at the first round uh, and what happened up until the knockout, I suppose, and I see a Volkanovski that looked like a Volkanovski that we've seen down through the years. He was thrown uh, his jab, he was switching stances, you know, okay, he took some leg kicks, he gave some leg kicks, and all of that was an even fight against a good guy, but he didn't look slow, he didn't look outmatched, he didn't look anything like that. The one negative part, I would say, uh, oh, look, the one negative part was obviously the knockout, but like, how, okay. Let's just question this. How did he get knocked out? So he got knocked out in a very similar way to the last fight. He got pushed up against the cage. The cage was closed off. He got hit with a massive shot and he got knocked out. I think the biggest issue coming in, and, and I spoke last week, and you know, you you kind of disagreed with my points that that I made, um, uh, and I actually don't think the points were. I think you were right, uh, even though <laughs> Volkanovski ended up losing. I don't think the points I made about you know the mental battles, the the getting old, the getting knocked out hurt that much. I did, look, Kenny Florian made a great point. He hit him so hard with that shot, it would have knocked him out anyway. It didn't make any difference. Now it might have made a little bit of difference, but I think what definitely made a difference was that split second reaction that you would have to the the cage getting cut off in a similar way right so the first time that uh he got cut off basically in this fight he got knocked out that makes you think like that and if you think about it this program how many times in previous fights has been cut off how many times have people cut off the cage and him and threw a shot and he's missed it why this time did he get hit straight away why this time did did the the did Taporia's big right hand landed? I, and this this is a presumption by me, but I would presume, or I may, maybe not, maybe not a presumption. Maybe I'll throw out my theory that there was that that split second, that inch of like shit. This is what happened to me the last time. Shit. This is how I got knocked out the last time. He's not fighting naturally. He's not moving the head at the exact same amount of uh, you know the same rate of knots that he usually would. He's not moving the feet. 
at the same rate and not to usually would because he's maybe thinking of that more than he ever did before. Like Volkanovski is excellent at getting out from the cage. He's excellent at defending off of the cage, defending in the middle, moving the feet, doing all of that. Yet he wasn't able to do it this time. No, okay, Tapuria's yeah. fast, hits hard and all of that, there's no doubt about it, but they're de- like, I, I would find it hard to believe that that, um, that that memory of what happened to you, what, six, seven weeks ago, or maybe a little bit longer than that, is not still there. Just, yeah, it, it, it could just be like it could be, or it could be. You know, in training they were working on don't get in this situation because Taporia has such big power, and he maybe got in that situation was like, oh shit, I, you know, better rush out of this situation, and it was kind of too late, and you know, maybe there is something in that. But also, you know, I'd have to go back and look, but I'm sure like Alex has been hit in 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 a featherweight in in those situations or similar situations before, but you know, Eli Taporia just has a different kind of power maybe than. And uh, a lot of these guys are, are all of these guys that, uh, you know, Max Holloway, obviously a great striker and all, but he's not exactly loading up and throwing absolute bombs. He's kind of overwhelming you. And, you know, a, a lot of guys have, at, at the lower weights are kind of of that style and aren't really knockout artists. So, yeah, maybe it was, you know, they'd been working on training and not getting in these situations. And, you know, uh, it could just be, you know, you, you zigged when you should have zagged and stuff like that. That, that is the fine margins of, of MMA, especially at the very high level. With somebody as powerful as Elite uh, Deporia, you know, you, you take one uh, step where he wants you to take a step and he's ready for it. And then, you know, he lands that w- one shot and you see how devastating his, his power is and how quickly he pounced on it. And, you know, that's all she wrote. There, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, 100%. I like the, the first round of the fight showed you how good he is too like look just looking at my notes here uh, you talk about the red leg on Volkanovski you talk about the very good start for Taboria we talk about the mid part of the first round for Taboria it wasn't as if he just caught him with one big shot it wasn't as if he just uh, he cut off the cage and he knocked him out he was doing well coming into it now Volk was landing uh, a lot too especially in kind of the second half of the round and I've I, I written down here maybe Volkanovski as, as the first round uh, as the first round winner so it, look, I think there's this there's this tendency as well sometimes to not believe that anyone can beat someone who's really good, right? Unless it's someone who else who's also been proved really good. Like we're we know Makashev can beat Volkanovski or Volkanovski can beat Makashev because both of them are really, really good, or maybe you could say the same of Max Holloway or, or other people as well. But when we see Taporia, you know, who's, what, 14 and all, oh, the best person he's beaten is Bryce Mitchell or whoever it might be. It's very easy to say he can't do it or he won't do it. Um, but it's, it's it may be a little bit harder to look at that skills and say he can do it. And it's also very hard for someone like him. Like, you know, you you came up with, with McGregor as well, Graham. You know, you know, like, Aldo is there. It's very hard to look at Aldo and go, I can beat him. And, like, he did it. It's, it's the same situation here for Tapuri to have that mindset to know he did. He could do it. And what's funny to me is, right, I've seen a lot of guys look like they can do it, right? Some of them do it. Some of them don't do it. Um... And it's very rare that I see someone who looks like they can't do it, and then they do it. Like, Temporia to me looked like a guy, and I picked him, again, Here, this is a guy who picked him coming in. I just thought his demeanor all week. Uh, you know, he's we spoke, spoke about McGregor there. He was, like, copying McGregor lines. There was people kind of laughing at him for being a bit cringy. Grabbing the belt and all. <laughs> yeah, and all of that. And walking into the cage, like, changing... Uh, well, changing his uh, Twitter profile to, like, 15 and 0 on the champion now. That turned out to be I lo- really I like cool. That. I, like I like that. I like that as well. I like yeah. that as well. But at the same time, it's like... 
uh, I don't know, is that the move? I know it's not the move, right? But there was lots of other things. Just the way he was walking to the cage, and I don't know, I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. I, again, as someone who had picked him, uh, I was, Patrick had like a, a 13 or 12 fight accumulator, I think. Uh, it's 12 fight accumulator, and the first 11 of them won, and he had Volkanovski in 151 to one And I was like, oh, I think he's going to win. I think he's going to win. And uh, I was like, no, he didn't. But that's the. That's mad, though, I think. Because. I think that's happening more often now than it has ever happened before. Because I think a lot of these lads, like the best of the best, are a lot of them are real tryhards. Like a lot of them are trying. Like we've seen lads coming up and oh, look look at the success of McGregor. Had, look at the success Colby has had, or look at the you know Chael Son and putting on this act. So I have to put on an act too, or I have to you know you know we've seen it with Ian Gary. We talk about Ian Gary later. I have to be disruptive. I have to put my stuff on social media. I have to get no. And there's some lads who are useless doing that, right? And then there's the very best of the best who are doing that. And it's it's a trickier waters, I think, to uh, to navigate now than it ever has been. And uh, the, the well, I, I think most fans that I see anyway online are buying into all of these characters, no matter how kind of crudely put together the gimmick is. <laughs> so it seems to be working, no matter how kind of you know, rough around the edges and, you know, people are willing to kind of uh, fight your corner and <laughs> and jo- join the join the bandwagon. Yeah, they're, 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 well, or else go against you, which is, you know, the, yeah, well, the same uh, thing as well. If, we, if they care, if they care, they care. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but yeah, look for Tabori, I just, I, I just think, and we talked a lot about Volkanovski, you know, we talk maybe more about him in a, here, here again in a second, but, like there's certain guys you see on the way up and you just think this guy is a different level. Um, and Taboria to me was that guy. I found a tweet in from 2020 that I since and he was on team G and like, and it's very, like it is rare enough. You see a guy and you think, okay, that guy is going to be a champion. There's another guy in this card. We'll talk about later on who I think is going to be a champion as well. He's very young in his career. We'll, we'll mention that in a second, but it's, it's rare enough. But for Taboria, like, it's not it's not a big call, I don't think, to look at a guy like Taporia five years ago or four years ago, whatever it might be, and think he's a champion. I think he was that good. I think there's a tendency sometimes to look at a guy and go, oh, he's very good. He's not going to be a champion. Without, you know, without, you don't want to put your head above the parapet or whatever, but like Taporia is just... God almighty, he moves so well. He's defensively so good. Like His head movement last night was absolutely fantastic too. And like... It's great. I, I did a podcast. I, I don't know what podcast. I was chatting. I think I was chatting with Ian or chatting with someone about it. And I was saying, look, he, he did this against um against Josh Emmett. And we kind of both agree, look, it's, yeah, Josh Emmett. It's, it's easier enough to do that against Josh Emmett. But can you do it against Volkanovski? Yes. Yeah, he can. <laughs> he can do it against Volkanovski too. Yeah. And it's very hard for, for anyone to, to stop him from doing what he does. He's a tremendous fighter, isn't he? Yeah, you know, it's easy to kind of have all the talk about the, the the former champion and what does it say about his legacy and all this stuff and is he finished and is he old and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, we've been around MMA long enough and these kind of long-reigning champions like Volkanovski is is an oddity. You know, it's rare for a reason because there's always some young, hungry guy who's, you know, training, coming up. And if you're the long-standing champion, like you mentioned Aldo earlier, they're looking at you, they're training for you, they're, they're dreaming of getting in there and studying everything they know they know everything you do like you know they're obsessed with this and he's obviously you know uh you know been kind of steadily working up the, the quality of fighters he's had in the ufc and taking a you know 
pretty big jump from Josh Emmett to you know one of the one of the best ever at the at the in the featherweight division in Volkanovski. But you know, uh, I think it showed more about where he is and how good he is that he was able to kind of you know. Uh, be patient, be uh, comfortable in there with Volkanovski and, you know, wait for his moment, pick the shot, not, not overcommit to anything, not make any major mistakes, not let the pressure get to him. You know, a lot of, he put a lot of pressure on himself with all the things you mentioned, but there's a lot of pressure anyway, you know, coming in there, you, you know, if you lose that, you, know, you never know what happens in MMA. It might be a long road back to the, back to the championship, if ever. So, you know, I thought he embraced it all. I think he, he rose to the occasion and, you know, he landed a picture-perfect finish. And, you know, uh, I, I want to make sure that, you know, it's not all talk of, oh, Volkanovski this, Volkanovski that, when somebody goes in and looks spectacular like that and kind of, you know, does a huge thing for Spanish MMA, which has always been under the radar. And even I saw Sky Sports News there. It was it was probably the last 10 minutes of the era, but they were talking about, you know, the first Spanish champion in the UFC and shown. Uh, TNT sports highlights uh, on Sky Sports News, so you know stuff like that is always good for for Irish MMA and UK MMA and Europe European MMA. We want more. We want like you know a, a rising tide lifts all boats and all that stuff. So yeah, I think uh, you know it could end up being a, a big moment for European MMA, nearly definitely as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you know, Dana White was asked about the Santiago Bernabeu, uh, and he said yes, basically. Like, so we'll, yeah, we'll see about yeah. that. We'll see about that. I'm sure, like, yeah. there's surely like a a fifteen thousand seat arena in Madrid. Like, surely, like, there's uh, you know, yeah. there has to. Once you start talking Bernabeu, and then you're like, oh, we're going to do a twenty thousand. It just kind of seems kind of shoddy then, though. Doesn't yeah, it? they're putting a roof on the Bernabeu, though, aren't they? Or maybe it's already on it. They already have one. I think they, it, can, yeah, yeah. they can open and close. I think, or yeah. I'm not sure. That might be one of the other Spanish stadiums, but you know, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a stadium there. The only problem is the, you know, the time zones. If you're going to put a like a popular champion at a pay per view or in a pay per view market, or ESPN Plus going to want that? Probably not. You know, um, I just whenever they talk about stadiums, I just can't get excited. I just, yeah. I just think it's not going to happen. We'll we'll put we'll put that one on the back burner. But as you say, very. Very exciting times, you know, for European MMA, for for the Taporia and for MMA in general to see, you know, the, the next wave of guys coming on, the likes of Taporia, the likes of O'Malley and and Manny Mora as well. The, you know, sometimes sometimes it's hard to move on from you know the guys. We we've had to move on from Shogun and Chuck and Vanderlei and Anderson and uh, you know many of them throughout the years. And Cole Conrad, <laughs> Cole Conrad, yeah, Cal Binder and Cole Conrad, still the only two lads actually with her. But like and now, it feels like we're moving on from the next generation. And it, look. If you weren't a bit sad, absolutely. Like, you know, when Mo Salah leaves Liverpool, you're going to be sad. Or, you know, when Ray Keane left Man United, I was sad. It, it happens. But then, you know, well, for Man United, no one good ever came after that. But I'm sure I'm sure it'll happen for Liverpool and it's happening for, for MMA and for the UFC as well. Um, just, but it's, it's also, um, you know, Volk's obviously calling for a rematch straight after. Obviously, yes. he's just been KO'd and all that stuff. And, no. you know, things may change, but... You know, uh, I'd like to see him take some time off, as I said earlier, and just, you know, make sure that it's it, it doesn't turn into a really kind of sad slide. Uh, you know, uh, at his age, obviously, you know, he'll want to get back in there and make as much money as he can. But you also got to think about the long-term health and, you know, getting concussed repeatedly every every few months isn't, uh, 
is an ideal and if, and if taking a few months off uh, can can help that then you know we've seen a lot of guys and a lot of coaches uh, say they've had great results with fighters doing that so yeah I think uh, I think rushing back into a rematch is a bad idea I agree and I think if they are doing a Spanish card next it's probably going to be around the summertime July-ish like when the La Liga is not on and things like that especially if they're doing in the, the Bernabeu but we'll, we'll obviously we'll see on that one so uh, if that's let's say four months away when Taborio was fighting in, in Spain I don't think Volkanovski should be um, turning around that quickly, especially after turning around quickly from the last knockout. You know, I'd like to see Volkanovski maybe the end of the year card or something like that, give him a good, you know, four months out of the cage, then a good four months to prepare again or something like that. That's the type of, you know, that's the type of break I think he needs, even even a little bit longer, even six months maybe out of it. So, so, so what you're saying is uh, unretire Frankie Edgar and give him the title shot, is it? Come <laughs> Swanson still needs that title shot, but yeah, like it's uh, who's going to be next? It's it's tough to know, I suppose, but I'm sure someone uh, someone will emerge as a big fight next week, uh, which we'll talk about in a, in a while in the featherweight division, you know. And Max Holloway, Max Holloway is probably the happiest man in 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 Hawaii right now after uh, after this because it it opens right up for him again, and you know that could be a that could be a fight if he beats Justin Gaethje. I know it's up a lightweight, but. He could. Uh, do you think he wants to. Do you think he wants to go back down. You know, he's he's always been quite big for the weight class, and he he isn't getting any younger. And he's on a lot of these weight cuts. Maybe he'll be he'll be liking camp up there for the for the Gaethje fight and thinking, you know, obviously he's planning on winning. If he wins against Gaethje, thinking maybe I'll just stay here. It depends because, like the last time he went to lightweight, it was obviously a massive struggle. Uh, he did it on relatively short notice that time uh, against Paria. You know who? You know he was a former featherweight Paria, but Paria I think cut a lot more weight even than Max Holloway. I wonder how much Holloway's put in this time to get the one fifty five. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions. I said there, like, if he wins, he could fight for the title. But maybe if he loses, he might be more likely to fight for a title and come back down. So who knows? That's, uh, I suppose. Well, this year, Ortega fight, obviously, would be, yeah. you know, could, could be a, a title eliminator. Could be. It could be indeed. But we'll, uh, I suppose we'll talk about that more when uh, when it comes around. Just a last word on Volkanovski. Again, like, as I said, turning him around, I, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be massively happy with turning around too quickly. But also, I think just everyone, just uh, let's take a breath for a moment and don't go overboard with this. Don't go overboard and go, oh, Volkanovski was never that good. If you want to say he's old, that's probably the best way to, to say it. Like, okay, I say he's old. But don't forget how great that man was. Like, he was a great, great, yeah. and still is a great, great, great fighter. Just Tapori is a very good fighter as well. A very good fighter. But Volkanovski, I no, think... No, it's, it's the way of the world now. The second, is, the second yeah. you, you're not on top, you're useless. And yeah. that's the way it goes now. What is it? One day you're a cock of a walk, the next day you're a feather duster. And that is... Well, <laughs> Oh, I actually, Graham. I've got a new. I've got a new fucking thing on my. Uh, here we go. I'll just play it. Sometimes these things happen in MMA. That's a new one. Isn't that perfect? That's perfect. There you go. No. <laughs> I added. I added a couple of new ones. So there you are. Actually, here before we before we move on, an announcement. This Tuesday, I believe. Let me just make sure it is Tuesday. Uh, the 20th, which is Tuesday, yes. The first episode of the Severe MMA Mastermind is coming to YouTube, is coming to audio on Patreon or whoever it might be. Oh, this is this is so fun. We have we have recorded the first four episodes. The so there's there's eight people 
um, me, Graham, Ian, uh, Harry Powell, Quilsha, Sean Dinney, uh, Andy Stevenson, and who am I missing? Uh, Tio. Uh, are the eight people involved in this? Where we have. Uh, four matches to kick it off Then we will have the semi-finals And then we will have the final It'll be going on uh, Tuesday the 20th um, The 22nd The Thursday will be episode 2 Then the Tuesday and Thursday afterwards Will be episodes 3 and 4 And then on the third week On Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday We'll have one semi-final Semi-final number 2 And the finale Over a three week period And I'll tell you what The these games have been absolutely and utterly electric. So sign in for that. So sign in for that. Tune in for that. Tuesday. It's going to be 5 p.m. Tuesday, Thursday for the next uh, two weeks. And then 5 p.m. Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday on the week after. And no spoilers here or anything, but it's been, uh, it's been absolutely electric. Can I give a small spoiler? Go on. If you like petty squabbling. Yeah. <laughs> if, you like, if you like petty squabbling, this is just, this is just for you. That should be the tagline. I, I don't want to say too much more about it. If, if, I think if people were to guess who'd be doing the petty squabbling between me and you, they might actually get uh, the wrong answer to that. They might get the wrong answer, I think, though. But we'll, uh, we'll see about that. But yeah, tune in for that anyway. It'll be free on YouTube. Uh, and if you want to support us on Patreon, please do. Patreon.com forward slash severe mma podcast we we've no sponsors you see at the start of the video now so if anyone wants to sponsor us too let us know but um yeah w- w- you can be our sponsors yourself trust a fiver a month plus that that'd absolutely be, it'd be absolutely fantastic anyway let's move on let's talk about ian gary next this ian gary performance right it was it's it's a this one we we're going to take a bit of talking about, all right? Because uh, I was watching the post fight press conference and someone said he was listless, and uh, Dana White got offended by that. Ian Gary got offended by that. I think look, I think it was the wrong word to use, um, but I under I kind of understand what your man was getting at. I think everyone probably understand what what the guy was getting at. And I I'll put it to you this way, right? There was a criticism for Ian Gary after the Neil Magny fight, and I thought it was a massively misplaced criticism, right? He absolutely beat the brakes off him, got better and better and better throughout the fight, and almost finished him towards the end. It was only Neil Magny's toughness, really, that kept him from getting finished. And there were some people saying, oh, you can't even finish Neil Magny, while, while ignoring just a gargantuan, brilliant performance from Ian Gary, right? This one, maybe... If you gave the same criticism for it, look, you fought well, you did some good things, but you just didn't, you know, you didn't step over that edge, go to the next level, take him out, make a massive statement. Yes, that that would be a fair criticism of this, right? That would be a fair criticism, criticism of this one, where I don't think it was a fair criticism of the Neil Magny one. Um, this fight went... Almost exactly as I predicted, to be honest. I thought Ian Gary was going to be very safe. I thought he was going to fight on the outside at the end of his jab, be very wary of the Neil Magny uh, threat. I thought he would up it. Sorry, Jeff Neil threat. I knew I was going to do that. I thought he'd up it a little bit in the third, which I I think he did. The only difference I saw here, and I think Ian Gary actually said it in the post-fight press conference as well, is Jeff Neil was a lot more defensively orientated than I expected. Like, Jeff Neil... 
doesn't really fight like that all that much. He was clinching an awful lot. You know, he was uh, he was throwing shots on the inside, but not really landing much. And you could hear his corner say Sayud all the time, like roaring at him, shouting at him, like don't. And uh, Ian Gary kept dapping him up, don't be dapping him up, punch him, get on the inside, be aggressive with him. And it he really wasn't, and it wasn't like Jeff Neal. And look. That's, I think a lot of that though was every time Jeff, not every time, but most of the times Jeff Neal tried to kind of force his way in and make something happen. He was eating those knees up the middle. At the start, he was eating the correct. kicks up the middle, the jab. He was getting punished every time. And maybe because the crowd weren't reacting or the commentary weren't reacting to those body shots. But those were, there was a few of those knees and a few of those kicks and a few, a few jabs that were really nice. And, you know, that does kind of, that does kind of put you in a, in a, uh, more kind of tentative mode when every every kind of way you're trying to sneak your way in is is costing you. So, you know, he definitely could have done more, especially when he had uh, Ian pushed up against the cage. But I think he, you know, he kind of knew he didn't have the beating of Ian, really. He had to make it a dirty, scrappy fight and maybe, you know, land some uh, punches in the uh, dirty boxing or on the, on the break or something like that and, you know, kind of steal the rounds that way. So, yeah, I think... Um, I think Ian, he looked a little bit um, tense, even in the walkout, and he looked a little bit less kind of comfortable and flowy than, than normal, even in the fight, even though he, you know, I I actually thought he, he won all three rounds. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was, like, you know, rounds were very close, and, there were, you know, there was a case to be made for 29-28 there. But, uh, yeah, I think I think it was a little bit tense. You could see maybe a bit of the weight of the last few months were on Ian. Even Ian's voice in the in the in the lead up i think there's like not a hangover but like a some like you know effect still from the the flu slash pneumonia or something going on there he didn't seem quite his perky self in the in the the interviews and the way he was speaking and then in the the walkout and the fight he seemed a little bit tense i thought yeah, I I would tend to agree with that. Um, I think. Look, I spoke to him the last day, and I mentioned the pneumonia, and he didn't. He didn't really say much about it. And I was talking to him afterwards, and I, I said to him, you know, we were kind of talking about how I think the fight would go and stuff. And I goes, just the only thing I think that could hold you back is the after effects of the pneumonia. And he goes, that won't be an issue. He's like, if. Uh, he basically said, look, if that was an issue, I wouldn't be fighting, which is smart, you know, hundred um, percent. But I don't know, is that him convincing himself maybe? And I, I, I do, like, it's not that he slowed down. He was, as you know, going really hard in the third and all. So I don't think his cardio was massively affected, but I, I don't know that he have the same pop, the same oomph as he usually has. Um, and I think a part of that was Jeff Neal in terms of Jeff Neal. I think a part of that was Jeff Neal in terms of how Ian Gary fought Jeff Neal. But a part of that was, I think, the lingering effects of just the last few months, the, probably the stress of the sickness, the stress of the stress and all of that. And uh, someone someone said it to me this morning, go, oh, what do you think, Ian Gary? He wasn't great. And I was like, he won and he'll move on. And I think that is the most important part of, of all of this. And look, there, there's no point. No one's coming out here saying, I don't, I don't think anyone's saying this is the best performance of his career. This was a game-changing career. This is massively entertaining or anything than that. It was a win at a very vital stage of his career that he can move on from. You get, you know, you get to the summer, you get that the even more good weather, you take a bit of a holiday and you're, you're back in against maybe someone like a Colby Covington or you come back to Ireland or something like that. There's, uh, there's so many positive, positive stick yeah. coming out of this. And, and, and to into. not perform at your best, kind of like not have the best day at the office, have things going on and to still go out there and, you know, win, 
comfortably enough against a guy who has wins over guys like, you know, Bilal Muhammad, Mike Perry, Ponzinibbio, Luke, you know, got, got dangerous guy. And I think, I think Ian showed there that he knew, uh, you know, that Jeff Neal had dangerous power and he had to be respectful of that. And he, he made himself a moving target the whole time and frustrated and kind of wore and Jeff Neal down that way and kind of frustrated him and kind of, you know, uh, picked him apart from the outside, as you said. So, you know, not being kind of on, on, best form and going out there and you know uh, I, I think nearly everybody would agree that he won the fight no matter how you scored it you know so going out there and doing against a dangerous guy who's ranked eight in the division and you know move to what is he seven and oh inside the UFC and keep your undefeated streak and you know it's a very important one to go out there and win a lot of eyes and a lot of people wanting him to go out there and be humbled or be knocked out or be finished or you know so people can say I told you so and all that stuff and all the stuff we we talked about with the with the personal life and the flu and pneumonia that's a lot of stuff going on you know for a young guy with like you know uh, uh you know important fight in front of him that leads to maybe possibly a contender fight and you know a title fight in the next couple of years all on the line so yeah you can see why it would um affect him and maybe i thought it wouldn't affect him because of you know he's dealt with uh, adversity and that kind of thing before behind the scenes and and look great but for one, whatever reason it was, he he didn't have his best day at the office, but he still got the job done pretty pretty clinically. Yeah, a hundred percent. And let's just re-examine that again for a second, because there's probably people tune in and go, "Oh, you're Irish, you're giving him an easy ride. He didn't fight well, and and everything like that." So why why didn't why couldn't he and Gary up the pace? Why couldn't he go to the next level? Why couldn't he take um, Jeff Neal out of it? I think I think there's a few reasons for that. I think. The early goings where Ian was uh, constantly like moving around, um, trying to stay away from. Him. I think a lot of that was to wear Jeff Neal out. That when he got to the second in the second round to the third round, Jeff Neal would be more of a, uh, maybe more of a sitting target, and he'd be able to uh, to finish him off. The biggest problem with that is that. I don't think that plan envisaged Je- what Jeff Neal would do and what the Jeff Neal do. He did a lot of clenching. He held Ian an awful lot against the cage. A lot of that was because Ian was thrown, as Graham uh, alluded to there, those big knees down through the middle. When you throw a knee, it gives someone the opportunity to catch you, push you against the, kin- uh, the fence and clinch you there. And then there was, you know, there wasn't minutes of clinching, but there was like good probably 45 second bursts of clinching, which really helped someone like Jeff Neal, whose cardio is all about uh, you know, it's all about short-term bursts. Like when you don't have to move around and chase someone in the middle of those short-term bursts, it's going to really help you. And it did help him, I think, an awful lot going into that third. So the plan from for me and Gary was almost doomed to failure because of what um, Jeff Neal would do. And what I, what I mean by doomed to failure, I mean the, the plan to finish. Like his additional plan was to win the decision, obviously. But the first plan, I, I, I'd say, was because of what Jeff Neal did. And you have to give him credit for that. Ian didn't change things up enough to be able to get it out of there. And I suppose that would be a criticism for it. But like, it's hard to change things up when you are winning the fight. Like just to briefly go through maybe the three rounds. Ian was moving well. Lots of clinching. I think the last minute won it for him. He's mouth was bleeding in the second, and I think people kind of underestimated what Jeff actually landed as well. But his jab, I think Jeff Neal's jabs were better in this fight than I've ever seen him before. And I think he knew he'd be in a jabbing battle here, and he worked on it very well. And he he la- lost some good, uh, landed some good stuff. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, I think it, yeah, that was well, about a minute or a minute and a half to go in the second round when he kind of bloodied the lip or the mouth. Yeah. But I think there was a couple of there was a couple of nice shots by Jeff Neal. Obviously, it's, it's a fight. You're going to land a few. But I think a lot of them were when Ian was moving away. He was either backing up or circling away. And they were, you know, a lot of the the shots that were reacted to by the crowd, reacted to by commentary, were kind of scruffy shots that didn't land clean or didn't land flush. Uh, but yeah, obviously you bloody them out. That leaves something there, and you can see why the judges might put a bit more more weight in that. But yeah. I think generally over the three rounds, I think Ian did a you know obviously he got hit with a, with a few nice shots, but he did a great job of being on the end or being just just out of reach or just getting clipped but not flush flushly hit with a with, yeah. with the punches of Jeff Neal. That's something I had in my notes here as well. It's a reoccurring theme in Ian Gary fights that he gets better defensively the more the fight goes. If you think about it, right, and that was a Song Canan fight where he got knocked down, barely took a punch for the rest of the fight, got his lip bloodied here, barely took a punch in the third round. Like, Neil was landing nothing in that third round. Like, and I mean nothing. And Gary was landing some good shots, but he was so much better defensively in that round. It was it was unbelievable. And look, part of that was Neil slowing down. I think Neil would have slowed down a lot more if there wasn't a clinching in it. So, you know, it, it, there's a lot of positives to take away from me and Gary in that. The negative will be he didn't get a big finish. The negative will be you know he didn't light it up and steal the card and everything like that which I think a lot of people were you know were hoping a lot of people were hoping he didn't as well let's be honest and there was a lot of negative stuff coming into that but look I think there's definitely more positives than negatives coming out of it anyway let's talk a little bit more about that though Graham because like there was this big thing kind of going around last week and this this has been going around for a while that Ian is like you know, he's left Ireland behind and he doesn't like Ireland anymore. There was He was on Ariel's show there a couple of months ago and he said he came back to Ireland for Christmas and he felt a bit uncomfortable there and then he left early and all. I, I, like, Irish people didn't take that well. There was a few comments about that at the time, you know. There was uh, the, the stuff this week as well, like he had no Irish uh, media uh, at all until he spoke to me, obviously, after the after the weigh-ins and a lot of people were you know taking swipes at that and stuff now some people like said it to me about that and my reaction to that was okay look should he be doing Irish media absolutely without a shadow of a doubt I've said it before like he should be trying to get on the fucking the Late Late Show and the, <laughs> the TV three evening show yeah. and all that but just one last point before I move on Ian's whole thing in this was he did one interview with Ariel and then he didn't do any more media basically until this fight week. So that was kind of his MMO. His MO. It, I don't think, and like this is this might sound me like me being an Irish MMA shill here or whatever, right? I don't think he was ignoring Irish, and this is from someone who didn't give an interview to for a good few fights. But anyway, I don't think he was ignoring Irish MMA media per se. I think he was not trying to do any media in the build-up to this fight. Uh, sorry, before... When I, when I say in the build-up to this fight, I mean between pulling out of the last fight and all his preparation for this. He did the Ariel interview and did, did nothing else. I, so, think, I think, Yeah, I think he did a couple, like, you know, that the UFC would have wanted to do. Like, yeah, of course, yeah. Beat, or TNT Sports, they, he did one there and he did... But I think it's, it's you know, it's more than just this fight week or this, this fight camp. I think, you know, uh, uh, historically even though it's a short history with Irish MMA or whatever, but historically, you know, these these uh, fighters coming up would have had, you know, uh, main events in, in Dublin, main events in, in Ireland and smaller cards coming up and they would have been, you know... Uh, Kind of hot prospects to the to the local the local hardcore Irish MMA fans would have been following them, feel like they're on the journey with them, you know, uh, you know maybe 
uh, know somebody who trains in in a gym that he trains in and things like that and feel some kind of personal connection and have seen him on interviews on, for example, like you said, like the late late or or some kind of RTE interview or TV three or or Virgin Virgin Media or whatever it's called now and people feel more attached to to people and because he moved away and you know had to split with the team KF which people maybe didn't like that and you know uh moved moved to a different country and you know uh, said some things maybe some things were taken out of context other things were maybe you know he he wasn't really thinking before he said them or people took you know as you said took uh, offense to maybe uh saying oh he he left Ireland early or things like that but I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to if you're talking about like an Irish takeover and you're talking about all that stuff in the cage and you're trying to make a thing about it, people are are going to get behind it if they, if they feel that connection to you, if they feel that you know you, you're one of them and you're uh, you're somebody that that you know has been kind of uh, leading the charge and things like that uh, from from you know bringing other people with you and all that stuff. So I think maybe you know people got used to what Connor did and. People aren't seeing that with Ian, seeing him take a different approach, change gyms. He's just doing it a lot differently than maybe the the formula that has worked before to get the Irish people invested. Uh, I think in terms of missteps, maybe, you know, just doing interviews with, with Irish is definitely something that is, you know, might take 15 minutes to do an interview and uh, maybe Ian's or his team have got a bit of a reputation as being unreliable, uh, you know, maybe interview, it might be difficult to arrange an interview and things like that. And people will take uh umbrage with that or whatever. But I think, you know, he's a young guy. He's on this kind of roller coaster career. He's, he's moving countries. He's moving gyms. There's a lot going on. I don't think it's this big, like, you know, planned out thing to ignore certain media uh, factions. Like, oh, I'm just going to ignore Irish MMA or I'm, gonna, I'm too big for this or whatever. I think there was a quote, where he said something along the lines of, um, "Oh, if I'm going to fight in Ireland, uh, I hope they do it soon because otherwise I'll be I'll be too big, I'll be too big for an Irish show." And then it just got taken out of context, and it kind of gets put with other things that maybe he said about Ireland, like you mentioned earlier, and it gets made into a bigger thing than it is. But once the narrative is kind of there, then that's the narrative. So, it, uh, like, it'd be a, uh, probably a good thing for Ian to kind of, you know, uh, be more open and more. Um, you know, this is probably a selfish thing, but the Irish MMA media, you know, we're we're a part of them, so we're kind of speaking, speaking uh, from inside. But I think the people, the fans, and the, the the local Irish Irish MMA fans like when you do things like that. They like when you you know you do interviews with guys who were who were interviewing you before you made it famous, and they think it's a it's a bad thing when you don't you don't do that. So I can see I can see little criticisms from all all the things, and you know when there's a couple of misquotes or out of context quotes mixed in there, it does seem like maybe a bigger thing than it is. But yeah, as I said, once the narrative started, it's going to be hard to break people's opinions if people don't like you already. They're gonna you know. Everything they find, they're going to say, oh, this is, I, sh- I told you, you know. So he has got himself into a little bit of a mess, uh, maybe by some of his own doing or whatever, and some kind of misfortune and things like that, and people jumping on bandwagons and all. But it's all about the fighting in the end. Like, you know, if you go out there and you win and you keep winning and, you know, that's going to correct everything, you know, if... Uh, uh, Okay, maybe there's certain things that it won't correct, but on all this kind of online stuff, this media stuff, it would just be a, a, a not even mentioned in your legacy in your history if you go on to you know fulfill the potential that he thinks and a lot of people think he has. So 
yeah, like I'm kind of sick of talking about all this stuff, but I, I, I do understand, you know, that this is what people want to hear about and people are interested in, in this stuff. But to me, I'm more interested in what happens in inside the octagon. Yeah, I, I am as well. I, I like the stuff where like, you know, talking about his wife and talking about all of it, like I have no interest in ever speaking about that. Like, and I, like people probably say, oh, why didn't you ask him about the interview? I would never ask someone about something like that unless, unless it was... You know, it made sense unless it was part of it. Never. That's nothing got to do with me. It's nothing got to do with anyone. That's not what Severe made about. That's not what I'm about. I would just, that's not it. But like coming back to Ireland and the Irish fans being against you possibly and all that, that is definitely part of it. And that is part of the story. I just, like, I just think there has been major. PR errors from 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 Team Gary. Let's put it that way. Like this this thing he kept saying about like oh, I'm gonna have like the the six fights and I need three more fights to get to the title from now on and all that. Right? We've talked about that before. There's no need to go over. It. I, I I don't believe that. Right? But anyway, right? Let's say that is true. And you keep saying that. And I said this to him in an interview. Like, then of course you're not going to be too big for Ireland. Then of course you can afford to have one big fight in Ireland. You can afford to have a number one contender fight on a pay per view card, and then you know go and fight for the title or whatever. Like that's absolutely it. And even right, even if you believe that's not true, even if you believe every fight you have to have from now on is going to be on pay per view because you draw numbers and all that, even if you believe that, don't say it. <clears throat> don't say it say I want to fight Colby Covington in Dublin Ireland next and then I want to fight on the McGregor card with, with Chandler after that right that's what you say even if the Colby fight ends up on that even if the Colby fight ends up in Abu Dhabi or Las Vegas or wherever it might be yeah, you can blame it. Dana <laughs> you can blame Dana say it worry about yourself worry about your your PR say I want to Colby Covington spoke about Ireland Colby Covington said he was going to bury the Irish like the English did. I'm going to bring him back to Ireland. I'm going to fucking bury him. Easy. Easy. Like, you know, that. that's it. Even if it doesn't happen, that, and like, I think Ian would like that to happen. I think the UFC would probably like that to happen. I think the Irish fans would like that to happen. The Irish fans don't like Colby. Like, they, they, they don't. The Irish fans don't like Colby. If he beat Colby, it would be massive. Like, it would be a massive turnaround. And as well, the American fans, it doesn't look like they're going to stop booing him anytime soon. The Irish fans wouldn't boo him. If he came back and he fought Colby Covington in Ireland, them boos would quickly turn into cheers. It, this all makes so much sense. Like, this all makes so much sense. And the one criticism I would have for Ian is he hasn't made that clear enough. Right? He made it clear to me in the interview when I asked him twice about it. But in the post-fight press conference the last day, he was like, I want to fight Colby Covington next. He didn't mention fighting him in Ireland. He's, you know, someone asked him about coming back to Ireland. He's like, yeah, I'd love to come back to Ireland. Didn't push it hard. Didn't make a big thing of it. I'm going to say it to Dan Hunter. No, stay in the press conference. Make a big thing out of it. Wear your flag. If you want to be that, if you don't want to be that, absolutely, yeah, don't do it. Like, whatever. But like, that's the one thing I would say. Make, make, make a meal out of it. Make a meal out of it because that's what you need to do and that's how you go to superstardom. It really, really is. But anyway, um, a good performance for me, a good win, and he moves on. Right, we could spend five hours talking about everything else, so uh, let's let's get it done here. Uh, Robert Whitaker and, uh, and Costa. Uh, Whitaker wins the unanimous decision. An interesting fight. Whitaker was winning in round one. Costa was landing some good stuff too. Landed a big wheel kick right at the end of the round. Whitaker in the second round had blood spattered all over his face, but 
Costa actually wasn't landing that much. It was actually the blood just kept getting spattered every time he hit him. Like that, Costa won that round. Or sorry, Winokur won that round. And then in the third, Costa won the first half, Winokur won the second half. I leaned towards Winokur, but a very close fight. That first round as well. Did the wheel kick towards the end of it win the round? I thought it did. What, what did I think mean? it did because Costa had landed a couple of nice shots earlier as well in the round. If it was just, you know, if it was just that wheel kick. You know, it probably would have went Whitaker that round, but I think he had landed enough earlier to keep it close enough that the the wheel kick did put him over the uh, over the edge. And you know, Whitaker did take that wheel kick very well. So uh, maybe uh, you know, <laughs> uh, on another day, it, it, it might have caused more damage, and, you, and he might have uh, it might have been an indisputable. Uh, you know, sometimes the reaction. If you if you if you even if you fall or stumble kind of more than Whitaker did, then you you might say, oh, that's definitely cost his round. But I can see why somebody would keep that a Whitaker round, even though you know that was a very flashy flashy kick. But uh, yeah, on my card, it did do enough to to win that round for Costa. And then obviously Whitaker kind of upped the pace a little bit, and Costa was sticking to his single shots and maybe. Uh, didn't have the output in the second and third round that Whitaker did, and I thought, yeah, I thought Whitaker did enough uh, clearly in the second round, and yeah, pretty clearly in the third round to to win a decision there. Yeah, I I think it was an interesting fight. Like we spoke last week, uh, and I think I spoke spoke on the bench all this week about like whether Whitaker would be done. Basically, I like I I thought that Whitaker in the Duplessis fight was was re- like that was a really 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 bad performance to be honest. Um, and I I'll be honest, I don't think this was a great performance. I do think Costa fought way better than I think he's ever fought before. To be yeah, honest, I, uh, I, I think because Costa's been out for a long time and it's kind of hard to know. You know, did he look like really good for somebody who's been out for a long time and had kind of all these problems or whatever? Uh, or did they just kind of fight at each other's level and Whitaker didn't like I'm kind of yeah I, I'm kind of unsure where Whitaker is coming out of this and where Costa is compared to other other contenders around them in the division yeah I I think I think Whitaker is worse than he ever was um well, still being a very good fighter, I don't think he's except, except for in that DDP fight, yeah, is he better than well, that? Yeah, I think he's better than that. But he's also fighting a lad who's much worse than uh, than did DDP. I think, uh, which is you know, kind of goes to your point there. Like where are where are both of them? I suppose type of thing. Um, but I I do think like this the middleweight division is so bad like you can never rule anyone out I suppose but uh, it's funny as well when Fluffy Hernandez won Joe Rogan was like how stacked is this division <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> terrible it's fucking terrible but, um, but yeah good win for Robert Whitaker there also just before we move on Although for the middleweight division, it is quite stacked. Yeah, for, for the middleweight division. For the middleweight division, the middleweight division relatively. relatively. Yeah, relatively. Uh, TNT Sports was so bad. Yeah, I meant to mention this during the Ian Gary fight. Yeah. I actually watched it back afterwards with like Russian commentary and there was none of these problems. So I don't know what was going on. The commentary kept disappearing uh, and it was just crowd noise. And I don't even know if it was live crowd noise or if it was like canned crowd noise or what was going on and then it actually like I don't know if it was just me yeah. but at the start of, I think it was the second round it like froze for a few seconds it did yeah no it did for me it came so. back on with no audio whatsoever for a few seconds and it was just oh what is going on here yeah, so like, well, I, I didn't really like scoring that second round because I missed fucking 15 seconds of it or something. I don't know what could happen there, but yeah. And like, 
it wasn't. I don't think it was people cursing and they were dubbing over it or whatever. Um, I the, couldn't hear. Any, I, I was kind of listening out to when I was watching it in the Russian commentary afterwards. I was like trying to listen to see if there was any like you know really bad words shouted or anything that were really yeah. uh, audible or anything, and I couldn't hear anything. So I, I don't know. It's bizarre as well. Like I was watching a Man United match today, and. Uh, when the Man United players dived or something, and someone just roared like, "You're a fucking wanker!" Like, and it was it was on TV, right? And then they apologized for it afterwards. Why? Why don't they do that on the UFC? Like, why is this ten second blurred delay on the UFC for bad words at four o'clock in the morning, but fucking five o'clock in the day and the Man United match they don't do it? I I don't know. I just think it's bizarre. But yeah, t- like BT Sports for years have been bad. TNT Sports. I, I don't know. I don't know how they keep making disasters out of these things. I understand, okay, they have to they have to blur out words or whatever when it comes to the main events and all of that, but this was uh, this was ridiculous. Well, do they have to really? Like, we're watching Cage fighting at, like, know, you know, yeah. f- fucking 3, 4 in the morning. What time was the Gary fight? 2 in the morning? Yeah. 3 in the morning? You know, come on. Like. Awful, but the commentary then as well, uh, I thought the commentary was really good, like the the uh, absence uh, <laughs> didn't make the uh, the heart grow fonder here, Cormier being out was definitely a plus here, I think I thought uh, at the, at the, Towards the end, like there was like a minute and a half to go in, in the third round and you know uh, you could make an argument that that round was a vital round in the Ian Gary Jeff Neal fight and with about a minute or a minute and a half to go, Joe Rogan starts talking about other things and starts talking about Oh, Leon Edwards versus Ian Gary and stuff. It's just like, can we not just talk about what's happening in the fight for the moment? And then when when the fight's over, we can talk about, you know. There was, there was a bit of that, but there's always, there's always going to be a bit of that. But I think, like, Bisping himself shot that down more than Carmi obviously ever would. Didn't, you know, Anik has to do it sometimes when it gets insane. But... Like, I thought it was significantly better than when Cormier is there. Like, miles and miles and miles better than when Cormier is Like, this should be... Yeah, well, that, that's not much of a... No, it's not. <laughs> but this, this should be the pay-per-view trio. I think going forward and, you know, some people were saying, oh, Felder, Sanko and all. Yeah, I would agree. Like, I think Sanko in the future, but give her another few years, like, and maybe when Rogan goes or whatever. Uh, and I think Felder could be in there as well. But it, it like... If you can't if you can't watch that and see how much better it is without Carmier, I think it's like it's insane. It was just so much better, so much easier to watch without Carmier. There it was it was unbelievable. But anyway, Did you, were, you, were you not like uh, oddly kind of curious about uh, no what kind of nonsense he would have been saying during not, Henry Cejudo? Not in, not in any way. Not in any way was I ever curious about anything. More than No, no, I wasn't. Let's talk about Marab and Henry, though. Look at it, a very interesting fight. Um, Henry looked good in the first round. I thought he kind of rocked him early. Marab landed an elbow. Marab got a takedown. Henry got up. Henry landed on top. And Henry was able to control Marab in a way that Marab wasn't able to control Henry. And I was thinking, that's it. Like, oh, shit, this is, this is about to get interesting. And Marab wasn't going for all the millions of takedowns. He was throwing wheel kicks and all of that. But at the start of the second round, Henry Cejudo looked so tired. And I think it was more a mental thing than anything else because Marab wasn't pushing this massive pace that he usually does whatsoever. Um, well, I, I think yeah. Henry was trying to, had been doing a, a pace that he's not used to uh, in that first round, maybe thinking, oh, this is three rounds, not five rounds. I can go a little bit harder. And in order to kind of get the positions, he had to work maybe a little bit harder than than he would have expected. And yeah, he seemed, as you said, as a, especially like halfway through the, the second round, he looked 
like he looked like he was on his last legs already. Yeah, he did. Marab like landed a big combo in the middle, landed a big left handing, got a takedown. Henry Sukuda just went over and like grabbed the cage to get up, like as clear as you would ever see. But like Marab, Marab won that round, but he wasn't scoring much. Like this is going to be a thing with Marab in the future. He's going to lose a big fight because he doesn't score that much. Like pulling a guy to the ground and like not landing any shots is not going to do it in in a fight. Like it's going to do it against most guys, right? was not going to do it in every fight, but the third round was all Marab, loads of clinching. He did land some hard shots in the mid-round. Uh, picked Henry up like Hughes versus Trigg, and Frank Trigg was there refereeing as well, not in that fight, unfortunately, but Henry just... Just the cardio issues here for Henry more than anything. If Henry could have fought in the second and third round how he fought in the first round, I think he had to win in this fight, I really do, but... That cardio is an absolute weapon for Marab Henry at this stage of his career. I think just doesn't uh, doesn't have it, and it was a good win for Marab who uh, who moves on and will surely fight, was, fight next. It was nice the way he lifted him up and brought him across the cage, and you know threw him threw him down. That was a real kind of demoralizing. If you if Henry was kind of getting any notions of of gathering a second wind or a third wind, and you know making a last kind of go at it, that was kind of that uh, you know you're not going to win today. Henry. Yeah, son. And then he went over talking to fucking uh, Mark Zuckerberg as he was <laughs> yeah. talking Henry as I was. In the commentary, very excited about that as well. I don't know. Very excited. Yeah. Zuckerberg was in the corner of Volkanovsky as well, which is like, yeah, a bit odd. And like, when you do things like that, it's all well and good, but then you lose and get knocked out. And it's like, well, maybe you should have had an actual oh, you're corner. Saying, you're, you're blaming Mark Zuckerberg's bad corner. I am, yeah. I'm also blaming. <laughs> Adesanya and Volkanovski both are like the prime athletes, so both of them now have been uh, been beaten and are no yeah, longer no, champions. No, no Steven Seagal, anyway. No Steven Seagal, there you go. Um, okay, after that, Fluffy Hernandez. Like, Fluffy does what Fluffy does, doesn't he? Like, he... Kapilov looked good. He was throwing some shots. I was like, uh, I, I text the angle. I immediately regret picking Fluffy, but he turned it around. And do you know what he did, Graham? What we've been talking about ad nauseum on this podcast... Takedown one doesn't work. Go for takedown two. Takedown two doesn't work. Go for takedown three. Takedown three doesn't work. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He eventually got one. He eventually got one. He wore him down. He got another one. Wore him down. Got another one. Choked him out. This is it. This is how we talk about all the time, isn't it? Fluffy. I feel like Fluffy Hernandez should be like the severe MMA podcast fucking banner fighter or something. Like if we had like a silhouette of a background, it should be Fluffy Hernandez. He just fights how we want to fight, and he? he's brilliant. Yeah, you know, it was. Uh, didn't have it all his own way. Toughed it out. Made it difficult for his opponent. As you said, this war on him uh, made it a bit scruffy, and you know, got it to where he wanted it. Copy love. He started off well, but once it once it started, you know, once he got taken down that first time, it did seem to take more out of him than maybe you would expect. I think part of it may, maybe was a bit of a, a mental a mental thing and uh, feeling the kind of the difference in ability on the ground. And I think, uh, yeah, it seemed inevitable that Fluffy was going to get the finish uh, as as it went on, and that's what happened. So yeah. Uh, it all kind of fell apart for Kabilov very quickly, but that was because of the kind of the pressure and the the grind that her, uh, Anthony Hernandez put on him. 
Kapilov did take it on short notice as well. I, I, when I say short notice, I think it was like three or four weeks or not as short as normal. But when you're finding a guy like Fluffy or say like a guy like Marab, you know, three or four weeks not going to cut it. <laughs> you know, you need to be in proper shape. But a great win for Fluffy again, who moves uh, who moves forward. Uh, Amanda Lemastin, B. McKenzie Dorn. Uh, this fight should have been stopped uh, in the second round without a shadow yeah. of a doubt. Uh, yeah, Amanda Lemos, though, she could have, uh, I don't know, she kept engaging and grappling and I don't know, she. Uh, I think she could have finished uh, Mackenzie Dern a, a few times if she had have uh, forced her back up to the feet, especially, um, I think it was the last time she dropped Dern, was it? Or one of the last times she dropped her and Dern kind of delayed reaction and dropped, holding her face to her back. And if you just kind of force her to get back up and land a couple more strikes there, or she mightn't even be able to get back up there. So I think there was a some bad fight IQ going on from Amanda Lemos at times, but she, she was just a much more well-rounded fighter than, than Dern. Her Dern striking is just not good. It's weird, though, because Dern actually hits really hard, and she hurt her, I think, at one stage, and maybe the first round it was. But, like, They're kind she, of just haymakers hoping for yeah. the best, though. Yeah. But still, like, if you could, you know, if a coach could, could fucking... Crop her into like into a striker who just throws that big right hand and throws fucking nothing else except is like properly defensive, just stand in a defensive shell with a right hand and then hope the fight gets to the ground where you're really good. Just uh, I think Mackenzie Dern instead of adding stuff, she thinks she needs to take things away to be to become a better fighter because she's as tough as fuck. We saw it in the in the third round. She came back. She won the third round. Like she did very well in the third round, and you know, it was she came out of it with uh, I, I think more praise than than she uh, she normally would have in a fight that should have been stopped again. I'll say it in the in that second round. But Lemos moves on with the win there. Um, Marcus Rogero de Lima then fought Junior Taffa. He was supposed to fight Justin Taffa, but Justin Taffa fell out with a, a leg injury. Then he kicks the leg <laughs> he off. He gave his Junior water a leg injury pretty sharply. Yeah. So they're going home with two legs between them. <laughs> That's back to Australia or New Zealand or wherever they're from. Um, but a good performance from him, from him just basically kicked the leg off him. He went for a takedown at one stage during this uh, fight, and everyone online was like, oh my God, I can't believe he's going for a takedown. But in the end, I think it was, uh, you know. Probably a good decision. He, the second takedown he got uh, was uh, was good, and it, it finished the fight. So fair play to him there. And here is a guy Graham, who I think is the future UFC champion, Rinya Nakamura, nine and zero. This guy is. He might have shown it last night necessarily, right? If you're only watching him for the first time, this guy is a fucking beast. Like he he went to the ground just all night with Carlos Vera who is a Ryan Hall trained leg lock artist and he's like oh are you well, grand I'm just gonna wrestle and uh, do jujitsu with you for the whole fight even though I'm a really good striker and all and he just did it and won comprehensively to be honest uh, I, I love this guy I think he's a future champion what do you think uh, yeah I, 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 he definitely has a lot of potential but I think this is a hard fight. It wasn't that impressed to go out and say, oh, this guy's going to be a future world champion from this fight. You know, this is uh, Carlos Vera is obviously a guy who was on the most recent tough and kind of got dominated by Brad Katona uh, and knocked out of that tournament. So he's, he's definitely like, you know, not the, the best that UFC have to offer and they'll definitely be tougher tests for Nakamura, but he's definitely one to watch, but uh, I'm going to need a bit more, uh, a few more known quantities in the UFC before I, before I jump on the, he's going to be a future champion. Pussy, pussy. 
He's got, he's got me a champion. I'm I team Sheehan right now. He's my next supporter. And uh, Renya Nakamura, I remember the name. Um, we, Miyang Zhang then got a big knockout with uh, punches and hammer fists against Bredson or Ribeiro. That was nice. Uh, Danny Barlow beat Josh Quinlan. The best part about this is I just tweeted, take that jokes throughout the whole fight. And then one got on the TV, which was absolutely fantastic. I got three take that puns on ESPN. So that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, opening the card in was Miranda Maverick against Andrea Lee. Um, and even enough fight, but Maverick de- definitely deserved it. And then Oban Elliott, the Welsh gangster, beat Val Woodburn via an decision. Before we get into the fight, Oban Elliott wins this week's Fair Play Award. Look, Fair Play to Oban Elliott. Fair, fair Play to you. Fair Play to award you. Award or, fair, or, yeah. Ah, Fair Play. Fair Play. He said Fair Play in the boss fight interview. <laughs> so that alone wins him the Fair Play Award, right? But he also like... It's not easy. It's not easy for the fighters. Just, just, just out say Fair, fair Play, play in the, <laughs> the octagon. And ah, fair Play. You're a winner. Ah, fair Play. But like, for everything he's come through in his life, you know, from his father passing away to... Not being able to train to, you know, sticking at it, coming through the cage wires, losses and everything like that. Uh, you know, I have an awful so- soft spot for Oban. Everyone knows that. And uh, it was it was beautiful to see him on that stage to win and, and absolutely fair play to him. The fight itself, I what this fight, I, there was a lot of criticism of this fight, right? It's like, oh, it's low level and everything like that. It wasn't the best fight in the world. It wasn't the best performance, I don't think, from either lad. But I think... What this fight showed for for Oban was that, like, through all the UFC jitters on a pay-per-view card, he can still come through against a guy who hits really, really hard and did hit him really, really, really hard in that opening round as well. I think he showed uh, his all-around game. I think he showed what he can do at this level. But I also think, like, if you're watching Oban, like, I've, I've watched all of his fights. He's a guy I really think who's 12 fights into his career now. It's going to be 20 fights into his career before I think you start to 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 see the real Oban Elliott. I really do. I, I still think he's very young in the game. He's a lot of improvement to do, and I believe he can improve an awful lot. Like we, I feel like we don't see enough of Oban's hands sometimes. He like he can wrestle, he can do it all, but when he puts it together, I think it's going to be really good. I think the opening up of those hands in future is going to be a big improvement in his game when he can do it confidently with putting all parts of the game together. We Look, we saw glimpses of it last night. There's no one coming out saying this was fucking the next Conor McGregor or this is the, the next world champion and by the, by the way, he's fighting right now. But I, I, there's definitely sparks of it and uh, I was uh, I was impressed by the performance and um, I'm delighted for him. Graham, what did you think of it? Yeah, you know, Woodburn came out there was game, like took took a big head kick and fired back, and you know had the best moments of the the fight for him straight after that, and you know he showed good heart himself as well. He was he was kind of worn down over the by the end of the fight by by um by Obam, but didn't give up, kept in there, but for you know bar that kind of twenty seconds or maybe even less, you know I thought Oban was in control. Um, you know, nothing spectacular as you said, and not really a fight to remember in 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 terms of the second round and the third round. But Oban showed again what we talked about uh, last week in previewing this fight that he's gonna, he's willing to go out in his shield. He's he's uh, he'll fight till the bitter end. You know, he had to be taken out of there in a stretcher, all, all those things, and that he you know he really really wants this. You know, he he. He goes in there and he wants to bite down the mouthpiece and uh, outgrind you and just just kind of make it a battle of wills and you know uh, obviously for the 
for the longevity of your career you can't be getting rocked like you know heavily in every fight but it is exciting when you know you have these uh moments in fights and a guy nearly gets rocked and he comes back and wins but uh so yeah, when people were saying, or you were saying, people were saying that it was maybe a bit boring. Or I, I didn't find that, but uh, obviously I'm um, a bit more invested in in Oban's story throughout the years than maybe the, the average fan. But for me, it was a you know a really good UFC debut because we've seen you know uh, this is the, this is guys like Oban Elliot's dream, and when they get there, sometimes it can all be a bit too much or the the jitters can can take there and you can end up maybe losing a fight to a guy that maybe on another day or you, you could or should beat. So he's gone in there, got that out of the way. He's he's won inside the UFC. He can kind of, you know, get his feet under the table a bit more and maybe be a bit more comfortable there, go back and maybe, you know, work on a few things in his game to maybe not have to, you know, face adversity so often uh as, not so often but in, in his last couple of fights but uh yeah it's exciting for the fans uh, in my opinion when 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 a fighter's like this but for oban and kind of fulfilling his potential that's maybe something that he has to go back and kind of uh be careful with yeah 100 no no doubt about that at all but i think uh i think that will come too i'm i'm, re- I'm really excited about it for Val Woodburn, I think Val Woodburn versus Kiefer Crosby would be a great fight. Can we can we get that? Can we make that happen? I think that would make a, a lot of sense. Someone's getting knocked out in that one anyway. There'll be a bomb flowing, flowing in that one, so let's make it happen. How, how, how long is Kiefer out for? Uh, you know, I'm you not know. sure, actually. What, what was the injury again? I'm not uh, sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, it could remember. be out of while, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, maybe not, but I, I, I think I'd like to see that fight. Anyway, uh, speaking of Irish MMA, um, there was a big cage legacy card on this weekend. Obviously, the lads in the old triangle will talk majorly about that, but uh, there was a big win for Richie Smullen uh, in the main event, who's obviously looking for uh, another big fight in the UFC or one of the major promotions. I think he'd be a great candidate for that, maybe even a contender series or something like that. Um, the 2023 Irish Amateur of the Year as well, Conor McCarthy, uh, got a very nice win on that as well, and he's definitely one to watch. Uh, he's a, a Peter Queeley protege and uh, looks... Oh, he looks unbelievable. He looks really, really, really good. And there's a great, you know, an amount of people coming through. Uh, Max Sally, I think, is fighting in a couple of weeks as well. Uh, Tiernan Lochran is fighting, uh, who's uh, Kanan Lochran's bo- brother as well. And I know the lads at Emer Darcy there on the, the podcast uh, a couple of weeks back as well. So there's a lot of good young Irish amateurs uh, coming through at the moment and, and uh, new pros even. So a, a very exciting time. Uh, a couple of other notes on Irish MMA. Henry, um, Henry, Henry, Henry Felipe was fighting at the weekend. He ended up losing over in KSW, but he's been on a great run uh, over there. So I'm sure they'll have him back on yeah. there again. I actually... I- I saw that. Yeah, yeah, he was he, he was looking he was looking good on the feet. Maybe maybe he got a little bit too comfortable. Got hit with a big shot, and his opponent followed up well. Didn't didn't give him the chance to recover, and it was a it was a it was a nice finish. But uh, maybe it was it was one that um, you know Felipe you you'd probably expect him to to if the fight was to stay on the feet for him to 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 win that fight. But it seemed to me like maybe you know he got. Uh, hit with a shot he, he didn't see and you know that's that's how quickly fights can change but I think yeah, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a disappointing one because he, he seemed to, to have the better of it on the feet up until up until he got cracked yeah definitely and uh, you know it's, 
a lot of tough fights out there as well in, in, in KSW and he's won uh, a good share of them so um, you know uh, fair play to uh, fair play to Henry I was as good stuff there's a lot of fights announced as well for the, the Bellator Belfast card um, obviously we, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about Corey Anderson versus Karen Moore and Liam Accord versus Sinead Kavanagh but um, Fabian Edwards versus Aaron Jeffrey also announced James Gallagher he's coming back he's going to be fighting Jeremy Kennedy uh, Tim Wilde Manel Souza Kieran Clark is fighting before, go before you go on there what do you think of the James and Jeremy James Gallagher and Jeremy Kennedy it's a bit of a you know out of left field one uh, it is weight class and well uh, James went up to 145 in his last fight I think he does want to go to 145 alright um, yeah. tough fight a very tough like a fight quick, a quick kind of ascension to the, the top contender of the division yeah yeah uh yeah, I, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of that fight, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I think it's a really tough fight for James. But look, what's Jeremy? Jeremy's a, a takedown artist. He's a very good wrestler and all of that. And we know what James is good at. James loves to be on the ground. He's a very good submission. So I say he'll fancy himself to get the submission there. It's a brave, brave call by James Gallagher to take that fight. Um, yeah, as I said, it's a very, very tough fight. I'm not sure. Not sure I'm, it's the one I would have made, especially if you were trying to please the Belfast crowd or whatever. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's a good fight though. Like it's it's uh, James has been looking for a big fight for years now. Um, Jeremy Kennedy obviously isn't getting the title shot next, so he's you know looking for one more fight. So there you go. Um, we Kieran Clark yeah, definitely, against, definitely a big opportunity. Yeah. It's definitely a big opportunity Massive for James. Massive. I I hate this Kieran Clark versus Darius Maffey fight. Like I'm, I'm not. I haven't even looked at Maffey yet, but he's four and one. Like Kieran Clark is eight and zero. Oh. Like also, like what what's going on with PFL and the European series and all that? Like why is Kieran Clark not in that? Like why are like why why are some of the fighters they assign not in it? They're just getting these random lads to be in the European series, like and then putting in the champion from last year back into the European series. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. I've been a bit underwhelmed with the, you know, I was expecting more from the the PFL tournament announcements and things that the European tournament announcements and things like that. I'm I'm underwhelmed so far, but maybe that's there's a bit of ignorance on some of the fighters for, yeah. on my part. But mm-hmm. yeah, I was expecting maybe you know with the merger a few kind of more exciting, big, well known quantities being being put into these tournaments. Yeah, and like. Uh, where where are they going to put all these fighters? Like you have loads of fighters to stack that. Um, I don't know. I, I just think it's it's all a bit bizarre. But anyway, um, Tafik Masayev and Ali Davis, Alfie Davis, sorry, didn't Nathan Kelly also has a fight in this against uh, Vikash Singh uh, and then Abraham Babley against Izia Pinson. Uh, not, I'll be honest, not a blowaway card so far. The top two fights are very, very good. Top four fights are good to be honest. So I'm not going to complain about it too much. But Belfast, I'm going to Belfast for. <laughs> Belfast, we give it all again. Um, next week, then um, the UFC card is Brandon Moreno against Brandon Rival. I had another Irish MMA thing to talk about as well, and I can't remember, but you come to me. Um, uh, you know, big fight for the flyweight division there between uh, Moreno and Rival. Probably gonna, you know, see a number one contender in that after the, you know, Albazi uh, obviously fell out. He was supposed to fight Moreno here. If he would have won, I think he was the genuine number one contender. The two of these lads obviously have had their goals at it. Um, you know, the same could be said for uh, Rodriguez and Ortega in the exact same way they've had their goals as well. But it still could be the number one contender, especially with a new champion there after that. How, how do you yeah, think I was going to say, Volk losing kind of adds a new kind of wrinkle to this to this fight and maybe you know you never know uh, with the UFC Dana White and all that and the matchmakers what's going to happen but y- you'd have to think that this this is a, a good chance for one guy to go in look impressive uh, get a finish over the other guy and kind of put himself on the 
on the lips and with the cards coming so close together you know the timing is kind of lined up nicely so yeah i think this is this is a big opportunity for for year year, year and uh, ortega to go in there and make a statement and kind of put themselves in the frame for for getting the next total shot indeed and this is very much like uh, like that Bellator Belfast card we just talked about there's a lot of a lot of locals on this one you know a lot of uh, a lot of um, Mexican Americans and a lot of Mexicans themselves El Huber is on it Manuel Torres Christian Quinones Jesus Aguilar um, yeah uh, I'll be honest I don't see anything massively stand out apart from the, the top two I do like uh, Mohamed Nayamov he's fighting against Eric Silva uh, I think he'll win that fight handily enough but I do really like him but you know Zell Huber's a good prospect he's fighting Francisco Prado but you know, not not a massive card. What is a massive card, though, is uh, the Bellator versus PFL card, which goes down next week uh, on the uh, on the twenty fourth. The only problem with this one, I think, is had a lot of pullouts. Um, most recently, Patricio Pitbull fight uh, is not happening. The Magomed Kerma versus Jason Jackson fight obviously fell out as well, which you could argue those are the two best fights on the card. Very unfortunate. What we are left with is Fahey against Bader, Kisangana against Eblen, Ray Cooper against Jason Jackson, Bruno Capelos against uh, Nimkov, Thiago Santos against Romero, Collar versus AJ McKee, Braga against Pico, uh, and then the, the rest as we go down through with Alio Baggio Walsh is on the card as is Clarissa Shields. But Stephanie actually have a full preview of this already recorded. It's going to be coming out uh, on Patreon on uh, on Thursday. I think it'll be out this week. Yeah. And, uh, oh, what's your standout in that car, Graham? It's like, yeah, it's you know, I uh, think in fairness to them, you know, it's MMA. We, I think we even said this when, when they were when they were buying uh, PF or when PFL were buying Bellator that you know you, you try to put these fights together but MMA you know as, as that new uh, sound clip that you have there says sometimes these things happen in MMA <laughs> yeah so you try to put these things together and you know make everybody available on the same card to do these things and we've seen over the years in MMA it's very difficult to do you know they've, they've got Jason Jackson a new opponent you know they've done their best to kind of repair the card but it's definitely not the same as you know as they, they planned it out as they as they drew it up but yeah, I'm still I'm still intrigued for some of the matchups. You know that Yovo Romero matchup is interesting. Um, you know the it's going to be the a Ryan Bader. Romero's and that's going to be the biggest snooze fest of all time. The two of them going to be looking at each other for 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Going to be yeah. terrible. Or somebody's going to get knocked out badly. Maybe. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Um, it's not ideal, but when they've tried to put on a different card and for various reasons and injuries and all that stuff, it's kind of falling apart you're always kind of left scrambling and they've done a decent job of patching it up as I say but it's definitely not the not the huge splash uh, on paper that they would have been hoping to make I, I think there's too many clear winners in this like like I think Kasang and I Eblen will be a good fight but I think Eblen the clear winner I think Cooper and Jackson could be a good fight but I think Jackson's a clear winner I think Kapalos and Nimkov could be a good fight, but again, I think Nimkov is just going to be too good for Capeloza. I don't think, you know, Romero, okay, Romero Santos, that could go a lot of different ways. Colin McKee, again, I think that'll be a very good fight, but it'd be hard to see McKee not winning that. Same with Pico. Although Pico and Braga, that's probably that's probably the best fight out of all of them, although I do think Pico will win as well. What about ba- Bader and Ferreira? Bader and Ferreira is an interesting one because Bader's biggest struggles over the last few years have been at light heavyweight, where he is, look, he's definitely slowed down, definitely got older, but at heavyweight, that hasn't really been a struggle. Now he's fighting a heavyweight who hits really hard. He's what six foot eight, six foot nine, um, and he moves really quick as well. Like he moves like a light heavyweight. I just wonder if that's going to be an issue. Also, I just wonder if Bader will go right across the cage and take him down. 
Um, and I think that could solve yeah. all these issues very, very quickly. So, and, and they're def- they're definitely not going to promote this as the who's going to face Francis and Ganu fight. They're just going to be like these two guys are bums, and we we, we can't possibly <laughs> put these guys against uh, Francis and Ganu. <laughs> there was a bit of that. There was a bit of that, but like, man, I don't know. This card is happening in six days. They've heard nothing about it, basically. Like, is, is there any promotion on this card at least at all? pretend like they might, you know, fight Francis <laughs> uh, at some stage. You know, get people, get people like, talking a little bit. Like. The whole card. This is the biggest card that they can put on. Like, this is an, like a massive card. But, like, heard very little about it so far. I'm, I'm sure it'll be more build up. We're obviously at the start of the week. They probably were, were waiting for the UFC uh, to, to get over and done with. But, um, yeah, look. Now that that UFC 300 announcement is finally over, all the all the <laughs> YouTube channels can, oh, can focus on something else now. <laughs> what about that, though? Uh, obviously, it was announced that Jamal Hill is fighting Alex Pereira. UFC you know, out of nowhere, they totally <laughs> don't redeem themselves. Um, Jamal Hill said he only found out about it yesterday. Yeah, did he not just get like surgery on something important? Achilles, yeah, Achilles. Yeah. But that was a good while like, ago now. I think he is coming back. Yeah, an Achilles injury. Does that not? Is that not like extremely serious? Yeah, it's like the worst <laughs> injury. Short yeah. Notice, yeah, um, yeah, uh, definitely underwhelming. For, you know, all the talk, all the, all the. Um, guesswork, all the Dana White. You know, are, you guys are gonna you're going to love this and all, and then it drags on, drags on, drags on, and then it's kind of a, you know, even if, it's a good fight, even like. if Jamal Hill wasn't coming back off this uh, this injury, you know, how in shape is he? I saw a photo recently, I think it was recently of him having blown up, and, you know, um, he's definitely, like we've talked for years, especially you, about how good Jamal Hill is, and you called him to be a champion in one of your bowl predictions many years ago, and, and all that, and we, we, I definitely have a lot of respect for his skills, but it's just such a big ass to come in after an injury, get back in shape, short notice, take on uh, Alexander Pahe- Alex Pahea. Um, it's just not ideal in terms of that, and uh, it's not the, the the big exciting matchup that I think most people were expecting to to headline UFC three hundred. But it's it's for so many reasons that they think. The UFC seem to think the three hundred is going to sell itself anyway. You know, you don't, you don't want to stack it too too much, and then not have uh, high caliber main events for for other cards. And you know, you don't want to give pay per view points to to champions who maybe won't be contributing to the actual you know um, uh, number of pay per view buys uh, too much. You don't want to be giving them their percentage and things like that. There's definitely a lot of things going on, but you know, for an historic. Uh, 300 card I think people were rightly expecting maybe a bigger main event 100% uh, I, I definitely think so like uh, they so the Ariel reported a couple of weeks ago that they were trying to do Shemayev and obviously Shemayev you know there's uh, how would you say it? There's uh, rumors that he can't get into the country. But like he's been hanging around with fucking Katarov for years, and aren't people like connected with Russia and Katarov banned from uh, banned from the States? Same with the Kinnans, you know, and, and the Furies can't get into America. Uh, that's the talk of it anyway. And um, yeah, so like I don't know, maybe maybe they could get that's they were trying to get that signed off or whatever. It didn't happen. Look, if Trump was in office, it'd probably be easier. Dan sure, could make can, a call. Can he not get a flight down to Tijuana and just like stroll across the border? <laughs> Is that not what's going on these days? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, like so. But Bilal didn't said so. Dan White said three people were offered Leon Edwards, and they all 
not that they turned him down, but it didn't happen. And then Bilal said that he wasn't offered it. <laughs> so like, well, well, were they offering this fight off? It's not Bilal. I, I think it's mad. What about the what about this whole Conor situation? We landed on this. Then White's been asked now twice about why isn't Conor McGregor getting a date? And he goes, Conor McGregor's really rich. Oh, what we we, we want to see him in camp first. It's like that's not you, Dana. You know that's not how camps work. You don't get in camp and then hope to get a fight. You you get a fight and then you go into camp. It's like, this is bizarre. He seems like. to be just making excuses and and um, he seems to just be kind of playing dumb every time. It's like, oh, what, what are you talking about? No, 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 you know, it's just it's very odd. Um, I, I think I think we Connor, said a weeks ago. I think I think like. I'm, the fact that he only has two fights left on his deal, apparently, uh, and you know this TV deal is coming up for renegotiation. They don't want, you know, any kind of rumblings or problems about, you know, uh, maybe not having Connor there or having him go to a rival or do 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 his own thing or you know they don't want any options out there. They want to have Connor locked down when they do this TV negotiation uh, negotiation for this TV deal. That makes sense. So I don't like I don't know about that. Like you know that makes a little bit of sense, but. You know, uh, you know, fighters are—they have a small window to to do this thing, and you know, Conor McGregor is the biggest star they've ever had, and you know, I think Conor is a guy who loves the UFC, and you know, if they gave him a decent offer, like nothing crazy, he would resign. So I, I, I think there might be something else going on that we don't know about as well. It's really hard to know why they're icing him here because, like. Uh, yeah, I think if he was offered a fight at any any date in the summer, any date in the the autumn or the fall, as Dana White or as Dana White said, he would take it. I think Dana White's pretending that it's some kind of. Well, I don't know what's going on. You better ask him. He's rich. He's this. He's that. He's got. Well, like really he has been asked. Team in camp. It just seems like a laundry list of excuses, uh, yeah. and, and the excuse keeps changing, interview to interview with Dana. So. Something strange going on anyway. Yeah, I feel like Connor needs to like talk about this now. This is, I think it's this has been let go too far. Like, and I think, you know, he needs to come out and I'm I'm available. Well, I think Connor he did. Now, he right? did. He did before. He came out <laughs> yeah. and he, he went uh, during the pandemic and all that stuff. And he put out uh, like messages between him and Dana, saying showing that you know what he was saying was true and it didn't seem to really help. So. I don't know what the move is, you know. It's uh, crazy, like it's this is a like for the biggest star in the history of the sport to be like treated like that. Like it's if Connor like didn't want to fight or if he had like the movie obligations coming up or whatever. No, you know, fair enough. I don't think anyone would, you know, no one's going to force him to fight or anything like that. But he has said it like multiple times now. Uh, you know, he said it to Mike Bond there a couple of weeks ago that like I just want a day now. I want to get back. I mean, held from my occupation or whatever. Like, he's been very strong in it multiple times now. And in the end, he's like, oh, Connor will tell us when he wants to fight. Connor's told you he wants to fight. Like, why is he not getting a fight? What's Michael Chandler doing just sitting around there? It's all it's all very bizarre. Like, it's all very bizarre. And I've been saying it about this. Yeah, like, it would be bizarre enough if it was once. just Connor being nice. But having Mike Chandler kind of sitting there for the last, like, you know, going on a couple of years now is is even more odd. And he seems to be in the of the... Of the mind that oh this is going to get you know sorted out any minute now and it's been dragging on and on and on and he's sitting around when he could be making money he could be in big fights he could be you know he's he's not getting any younger either like you know his career window is closing as well and it's just a very bizarre situation and you know if a tv deal gets signed and then all of a sudden um we see the fight booked or we see connor booked for someone else then you know it'll it'll lead us to believe that maybe that was it but if it's not that then you know I don't know, there's something, there's something 
Some fishy uh, going on. Yeah, some fishy going on. I don't know. I don't know what what Dana White and the UFC's brass uh, reasoning reasoning is, but it goes against kind of all standard logic. I think. Indeed, it does. All right, we will uh, we will leave it there. That's the end of the podcast. Video was good, Graham. I, I didn't think it changed the podcast that much. I think we were just normal. I think it was very good. But um, yeah, let us know, lads. Let us know if you like it, and uh, we might uh, we might continue to do it. Put um, to uh, in the podcast. We'll just tell everyone, please follow us on social media. I am at Chaunchy and BA. Graham's at Severe May. At Severe May Pod on Twitter as well. And at Severe on Instagram. If you haven't got the Patreon already, please do head on over there. Patreon.com forward slash Severe May Podcast. Uh, you will find it there. It's only five or a month plus VAT. And we have podcasts every uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, Friday. Mostly Fridays. Most Fridays. Um, so, yeah. Go over there and do that, please. Thank you very much. Graham, um, sign us out here with your quote for the week. And you can shoot me and you can throw me off a train. I still maintain, I still maintain life. Life is a pigsty. See you next Tuesday. Whenever. Good luck.